Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope you're doing wonderful. So we're back for part two about how IFS has changed my life. Um, And last episode, if you didn't catch it, that's the one where we talked about how internal family systems has changed my clinical practice. And I do give an overview of the model. So if you want some very basic overview, I actually have some experts coming up in upcoming podcasts. We're going to go over the model even more. Um, But these two episodes where Sapna interviews me are really just kind of an off-the-cuff chat about how IFS has influenced me. Um, And so today I'll be talking about how it's influenced me personally, which it's actually influenced me personally in many, many ways. Um, I, I can't remember if I said this in the interview, but truly when I reflect on it, it's the most influenced any therapy model has had on me and I've tried them all (laughs) on myself. I've tried them all with clients. Um, So yeah, I would not, there's some things about IFS that might make you initially skeptical if you're like me, but I would not um, discard it too quickly because it might be just the thing that makes a huge difference for you as it has for me. So I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about how it's really helped me to conceptualize my feelings about the field of weight management and eating disorders and the polarization that I so often talk about on this podcast. I'm going to talk about what I wish more professionals understood um, and and how this model might help them think about their profession and the work they do in the world. And I'm going to be talking about um, just some great recommendations for people that want to learn more about this. Um, so. And as a side note too, if you are, if you are a professional um, in working in this field or wanting to learn more um, about this, feel free to reach out to me um, if you haven't already. If we're not already connected, truly, I love hearing from all of you. And uh, yeah, you can reach out to me directly at support at drshawnhondorp.com um, because we have some cool things in the works in terms of building some communities and resources for professionals wanting to, you know, not only get better at helping people heal from disordered eating, but also helping professionals to feel truly, 
grounded in the work that they're doing so that they can show up as their best self in their work one-on-one -on -one or any other work that they decide to do outside of the traditional one-on-one -on -one therapy model. So uh, yeah, super excited about what we have going on. And um, yeah, so I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts about this episode. So settle in and uh, let's dive in. All right, everyone. So welcome back for part two of how IFS has changed my life. This is um, our episode uh, about how the internal family systems paradigm has impacted me uh, personally and also my view of the field. And um, I have the wonderful Dr. Sapna Doshi here to talk to me about it. So welcome back, Sapna. Thank you. I am super excited to continue this conversation with you. It's I think today's uh, episode's going to be really valuable for a lot of people to listen to professionals and and clients. Awesome. Well, and uh, just for the listener to last episode, I talked more about how IFS has influenced my clinical practice. So make sure you check that out if you haven't. And we gave a little bit more of an overview of the model. Um, so so check that out first if you missed that one. Okay, so I'd love to learn more about how IFS has influenced you personally. Yeah. So I had, so in, in this six month training program that I did, they have you do a lot of um, your own work with your own parts. Not a lot, but like there's several little, it's all self-guided meditation. Although um, I have an IFS informed therapist, but not an official IFS therapist. Um, so I'll say there's been a couple of things that have been most helpful to me. I, I would actually start with the the part of me that likes to overwork um, and gets really anxious about being productive and doing. Um, I've done a lot of work on this part of me before coming to IFS. So I've, I felt like I had made a lot of progress with this part of me but it felt like I was forcing it. So like when I first started my business, I was working, um, the first, when I first started the podcast and first launched the program, I hit weeks where I was working like 70 hour weeks, which is really atypical for me. Cause when I was working at my full-time job before leaving, I was just like, I worked my work, I worked my hours, my 40 hours and I went home. Um, so I think the overworking part of me was kept in check by having like a stable salary. And then when I didn't have a stable salary, things got a little out of control. And um, so that overworking part of me is the protector part of me. It's a part of me that tries to protect me from feelings of worthlessness, feelings of not good enoughness, um, some really painful experiences. And it's really just a part of me that learns like the world likes when you're productive and when you accomplish stuff. And so basically when I started learning about IFS, I was able to, basically when I, I had stopped working as much, but I was still sort of forcing it and I still didn't fully trust myself to do it. So IFS helped me to understand and connect with that part and understand its intention. And so now when it comes up, which is still occasionally does, I get really curious. And here's the thing I love about IFS is I probably, because I am so obsessed with doing, I have a hard time slowing down for meditations. So there's been many times where I've done these exercises while I'm doing something else. So a couple weeks ago, I was on a Friday, I think either you and I had met or I was listening to a podcast or something. 
I was so excited about the, sometimes my excitement can lead to overworking. So I'm like, ah, this is such an exciting idea. Um, but then it gets sort of that anxious, graspy, like overworking. And I, as I was driving to lunch with my friend, which I had planned, I just was getting curious. I was like, what is this about? And it very clearly was like, no, it's about like proving your worth. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be working from that place. Um, and I was able to just connect with that part. I'm like, okay, I see you. You're trying to protect me from that. And it, once you connect with these parts, and it's really interesting because it is a somatic experience. A lot of times for me, at least emotion will come up. It doesn't have to, that's not like the right way to do it. Um, but very easily I'm able to be like, oh, it's okay. It's that. And I'm able to more kind of fall into the, the working pattern that feels right to me, the focus on my friends and my kids that feels right to me. And it's been um, several months of feeling pretty easy and uh, like a lot more peaceful, a lot more self-trust, which is kind of the place that I got to with food all the years ago, but with work, I hadn't gotten there yet. Um, and so sometimes when we have hurts <laughs> that maybe I used food and dieting and weight loss focus in the past to distract me from some of that deeper pain, but then I didn't really fully heal it. So then overworking kind of took over. And I think I share that in just case, case that's helpful to anyone else because it can help you be like, oh, okay, I can work with this part of me too. I'm not a workaholic. I'm not a, I'm not destined to always feel this way about work. So. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so helpful to understand like a very personal example of how you can use this in your everyday life. And having known you forever now, I, I certainly just sense that th there's just more calm and groundedness and um, assurance that you carry with yourself now than when you first started the transition from your career to the business and, and the podcast. Yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of anxious energy going on there. Well, yeah, that's good. I'm glad you could see it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, how do you think it's influenced you, IFS? Um, how, sorry, how, how do you think it's influenced the field of weight management, eating disorders? Um, tell me more about that. Yeah, so it's been pretty interesting as I've learned about, and um, I highly recommend the book, Dick Schwartz's newest book, No Bad Parts, because it's geared towards anyone, not clinicians. Um, but they have a chapter in there, and I want to go back and reread it because I read it probably <laughs> six months ago because I just consume everything all at once. Um, but they had a chapter in there about social justice and activism work, and they had, a, um, I forget if it was the same chapter, but he has explicit discussions about um systemic oppression and racism and how he believes. And I also believe that we all have racist parts inside of ourselves. So that's a whole bunch of different topics. And I promise this does relate to the field of weight management and eating disorders. Um, but so he talks a lot about, and he has some really fascinating examples of people doing activism work and how they become what IFS would call protector led. And so kind of not all that different when I was just talking about with the overworking part or the part that's so passionate about justice and reform and is fighting so hard for people to not be hurt in the way that perhaps that person was hurt or perhaps they saw other people in their family be hurt. 
that's called protector-led activism versus self-led activism. And so we haven't talked about it a ton on these podcast series, but this idea of self-energy, self-energy is very compassionate. It's very curious. It's very um, courageous. There's eight C's. It's very connected. And um, when we lead with these protectors, maybe the really anxious parts of ourselves or the really angry, self-righteous parts of ourselves that are like, you are wrong. You need to stop. Um, that can lead social movements in a direction that isn't perhaps the best for the world and for the actual causes that they're fighting for. It maybe isn't the best way to lead activism work. And so I know that, um, Richard or Dick Schwartz is very passionate about this work and he's doing a bunch of different work, pieces of work in this area. And so it'll be interesting to see what direction that takes. But um, when it applies to the eating and weight management world, there is the health at every size movement is a social justice movement at the core. It's about respecting the diverse bodies. It's about respecting all bodies. All bodies deserve dignity and respect. And um, although there's a lot of scientific evidence supporting a lot of the things that are talked about, it is that it's for a social justice movement. And so I think understanding that um, even when you and I talked about in several episodes ago, that group that I was in and where there was a talk on food addiction and everyone jumped on her and attacked and got the talk canceled. You know, I think, I think we can understand that there's anger there for a reason. People have been hurt by diet culture and there's so much complexity with the social justice intersection between race and, you know, fat phobia and all of that, that like, I'm still, I still have so much to learn, but there's, there's reason we have angry parts for a reason. And it's, it's not that those parts are bad, but if we lead with those parts, it's not necessarily good for movement and it's not necessarily good for hearing the other side. And it can get too polarized where it's like any discussion of weight loss or weight management, you're bad. Any use of the term food addiction, you're bad. And then we have these providers and our clients trying to navigate this nuance of like, but I have thoughts of how maybe I'm addicted to food. Am I allowed to say that? And providers that are like, I don't want anyone to think I'm doing harm. And so we are, we're tiptoeing around and we're so anxious that we're not able to show up with that courage to really get curious about what's going on for people. Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you're talking about this. I know you and I have had many discussions around this um, and it's so necessary as you, as a clinician, you're trying to navigate working with uh, clients who have really complex issues that they're bringing to therapy. And also you're professionally confronted with uh, activism and um, trying to decide how you feel about all of that. It's complicated. So this is such a nice, model to be thinking about in that process. Yeah, it's really helped to me at least to be like, oh, okay, that's why maybe it didn't sit 100% well with me. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if, obviously we're talking about it because I think it would be valuable to bring to the table in the discussion. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. I haven't seen a ton of discussion about this in the social justice and 
weight space, but our body social justice space, but um, it's possible it's happening and I haven't seen it. So yeah, really cool. So what do you wish more professionals knew about healing people from disordered eating and weight related concerns? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is this model has provided me, I, I hope people know that at least there's this way to think about it. Um, and not that it's this model per se, but that um, being aware of what we bring to the table as professionals, but also allowing the client to bring all parts of themselves, all parts are welcome and not to be afraid of any parts and not necessarily to try to convince or change any parts of them. Um, when we can really just get curious about what the intention of the part is, often the change happens on its own. So we don't have to actually do as much work as the professional to like say the right thing or convince them of what to do or not to do. We can just get super clear on what brings it brings up in us. And if we're getting, oh, I gotta, I gotta convince them to do this, like, I have to convince them to not try to lose weight, let's say, right? When we get less invested in that, and we can then we can just bring that what IFS would call self-energy. And it's actually, it feels better and it's less work as a provider um, because you don't have, to have all the answers, which is actually a relief. Yeah, I feel like it clears up room in the therapy dynamic to really get to the deeper issues for the client when we can, as clinicians, really address our own stuff and making sure that that's not center focus of the work that we're doing together with clients. Right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, last question I have here is, you know, like myself, I'm sure other clinicians are going to listen to this podcast and be really interested in learning more about IFS. And so any recommendations for people looking to build their knowledge base in the areas of IFS and eating and weight? Yeah, I actually would recommend based on all the stuff that I've done thus far, which isn't a ton. Um, I would recommend listening to the book, No Bad Parts, um, Dick Schwartz's newest book. Um, I haven't listened to his other books. And when I say listen to, you could read it. I just am an audiobook listener, but it's cool because there's exercises in it um, that I found really powerful. I didn't even mention my headache experience, but I had like a headache for multiple days. And then this little somatic headache exercise in there, I did it while doing the dishes and my headache went away, which was freaking fascinating to me. I was like, all right, that's evidence. When my skeptical, I have like a lot of skeptical parts. I will say it. I get excited about stuff, but I'm super skeptical. So throughout all this, I've been like, eh, is this BS? Like, I don't know. But, um, so I, I think that would be a great one in terms of the, the IFS and eating and weight concerns piece. Stay tuned on that. I have one guest coming on soon after this, that, um, I was, going to do this episode after because I was like I need to know more but anyway this is what I know now um, but there are people in the eating and weight space so stay tuned for this podcast and I'm continuing to look for more resources and I will be putting out more and more so make your make sure you're on listen following the podcast and also um, listening on my email list because I will be having more on this topic but that's where I would start I did like the online circle program too and that's open to not just uh, clinicians you, anyone can do that and uh, it's six months. It's a lot of content, but it, um, that's an option too if if people are wanting to like delve in even more. So that's 
Awesome. I'm going to look up some of those resources and I really can't wait to hear more of the podcasts to come related to this topic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for being here. It's way more fun than asking myself the questions. <laughs> yeah, it was fun to, to have you be on the other side of this. You have so much uh, awesome information to share and it's nice to hear from you as the guest. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for being here and uh, we'll see you next time. And before we finish today's episode, I have a really quick message from a special guest, my daughter. Please review from a mom's podcast. Make something from a mom's podcast, please. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.